Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Hills Church. So good to be with you today. Excited to get into God's word together today. And as Hannah mentioned uh, just a second ago, we are jumping back into our journey through the gospel of John. And specifically for these few weeks leading up to Easter, we are focusing on John 13 through 17. John 13 through 17. And the reason that we're doing that is because For whatever reason, the Holy Spirit inspired the gospel writer, John, to really focus on these final moments that Jesus has with his disciples before he goes to the cross, before he's betrayed, arrested, crucified, and buried, and before he rises again from the dead. You see, most of the gospel writers discussed and they touched on a little bit what happened in the final moments that Jesus had together with his disciples. These men and these women that have been journeying with Jesus for over three years as they have witnessed him do unbelievable miracles. They've witnessed him walk on water, calm storms, cast out demons, heal the sick, lame, blind, and broken. And they have watched God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, do things that they could never imagine seeing in their lifetimes. And now we're coming down to the final moments. Now we're coming down to the final moments that Jesus has with his closest friends. And in these final moments at this last meal, they're about to share together the Passover meal where Jesus is literally about to become the Passover lamb that dies for the sins of the world. They're gonna eat one last meal together. And Jesus, last week we talked about it, he washes their feet. He leaves them with some very important teaching. He prays for them. He prays over them. And this is the last four chapters of Jesus's life before he goes to the cross. Friends, these chapters are just packed full of important information for all of us today if we say that we are Christ followers. And as I was reading and studying and praying over these these four chapters the last couple weeks, I was like, Lord, okay, there's a lot here. We only got a few weeks leading up to Easter. There's no way I can hit all of it. What are some of the main things that you wanted to leave with your disciples? What are are some of the main things that you would want to speak to us through your word if you were here today, God? What would you want to talk about? And one of the things that came up over and over and over again in these chapters is Jesus says something so profound to his disciples. He goes, guys, Girls, I'm about to leave. I'm leaving. They're like, whoa, time out. Things are just getting good, Jesus. Where are you going? Because we're in this with you. We're, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but we've been following you for three years. Wherever you go, we go. So uh, how about you let us know where you're off to? That's cool. Just where are you going? He's like, well, where I'm going, you can't come. It's called death and hell. Now, don't worry about it. I'm going to come back from the grave. He actually does say that to them. 
And they're like, I mean, it's like, I can't comprehend what you're saying, Jesus, but he keeps saying, I'm going back to the Father. He knew all things had been given into his hands by God and he was returning to God. And the disciples, rightly so, John 14, it says right off the bat, boom, straight up, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why would Jesus say that to them? Because their hearts were troubled. They were stressed, they were anxious, their leader, their Messiah, the guy they had put all their hopes in, the guy that they were trusting in, the guy that they were like, this is the guy. If there's ever been a guy in the history of the world, if there's ever been the man, this is the man. He's here, we just so happened to know him, he called us to be his friends, and now he's telling us he's out. They're stressed. They're troubled, rightly so. And Jesus goes, it's okay. Yes, I'm leaving. Yes, I'm going. But it's fine because I'm actually gonna return to you, but not in the physical form that you see me now. I'm gonna return to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so for the next few weeks, friends, we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about who is the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit. And if you're new to church or new to faith, maybe you're familiar with the idea of God as our heavenly father. It's a beautiful reality. The concept of God as our heavenly father. You've probably heard something about Jesus, God's son who was also God. So we know about God, we know about Jesus. But one of the things that I believe to be just just blatantly missing in the church in America. And shoot, part of this is on me. I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher. I should be talking more about this. Is God the Holy Spirit? You see, as Christians, we actually have a very unique and distinct belief that separates us from all other religions on the face of the planet. We believe in one God. We are a monotheistic faith. That means we worship one God. We don't worship uh, many gods. We don't worship the God of the air or the water or the sun or the earth or the, the spiritual energy of whatever. We worship one God. However, he has revealed himself to us in three distinct persons. That's called the Trinity. So we worship a triune God, one God in three expressions, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we, we've probably heard about the Father, we've heard about the Son, but friends, the, the amount of times that Jesus says to his followers, his closest friends, don't be afraid. I'm gonna, don't, don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Remain at peace. I'm gonna be with you forever, just not in my physical form, in the form of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm gonna remain with you. I'm gonna live inside of you. My spirit is gonna become one with your spirit. This is one of the most foundational and central truths of the Christian faith. And friends, it's so precious when you lay hold of that and you realize you are never alone. Maybe that's a little disturbing. <laughs> Wait, God, you're with me always? There's a few times I'd like to hit pause on that and you'd not be around for this part of my life. But the truth is he's with us always. 
If you've put your faith in Christ, Ephesians 1 tells us the spirit of God lives inside of you. You've now become a home, a dwelling place for God himself, and God is at work in your life. He's at work in your life. Now, I was thinking about there's so many different ways to describe this and talk about this, and we're gonna, we're gonna jump into John 14 in a second, but I thought about this like stages of a relationship when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And I remember, many of you know this, I've shared parts of my story before, my, my dating relationship with Lindsay. We were high school sweethearts. We met when uh, I was 17 and I had a lot more hair and I've used that joke too many times. So it's, it's over, it's done. Um, bottom line is this, um, every stage, if you're married, Every stage, every relationship goes through different stages. I thought, okay, how, how, could I, how could I break down the stages of my relationship with Lindsay? Well, there was the acquaintance stage. I'll never forget the very first time I saw Lindsay. I met Lindsay, right? She happened to be friends with my sister, and they were at tennis practice one day, and then Lindsay came home with my sister, who's one year behind me. I was a senior. My sister Whitney was a junior, and she became friends with this girl named Lindsay. They came home after tennis practice one day, and I was like, hello. After Lindsay left, I was like, hey, Whitney, who's your friend? She's hot. I'd like to get to know her. Turns out Valentine's Day is just a few days away, right? Perfect opportunity. Um, do you have her phone number? Went through my sister to get Lindsay's phone number. No shame whatsoever. And I called her up, asked her out on her date, on a date. She said yes. We went to a movie. The very first movie we ever saw was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> True story. Uh, and I'm happy to announce I made it past the 10-day mark with her. We're about to celebrate 15 years. Let's go. Come on. But those early days, it's like the acquaintance phase. I, you know, I saw her from afar. I was like, whoa, you know, she's beautiful. I want to get to know her. Maybe she'll say yes if I ask her out on a date. And when she did say yes, we transitioned from acquaintance into dating. And stage two of most relationships goes from acquaintance to infatuation. And infatuation, it's all about the feels. It's all the feels all the time. It's like, man, I like the way Lindsay makes me feel. I've never had this feeling for another girl before. Man, I've got that love and feeling. I like this girl. I hope she likes me like I like her. I like this. Let's, let's see how far this goes, right? Let's see how long this lasts. And, you know, the infatuation stage may or may not end up in the honeymoon stage, the getting married reality. But at some point, you go from acquaintance, which is sort of phase one, to infatuation, which is phase two, to phase three. What I like to call deep relationship. Deep relationship. And after you've been married for about 15 years, friends, you've been through some fights. You've been through some conflict. You, you don't have this fantasy idea of who that person is and wow, they're gonna meet all my needs and they're just the perfect person and I'll be the perfect person for them and this is gonna be great forever. No, that ship has sailed. Come on, somebody. Okay, you know that person after 15 years. And there are moments when you look at that person and they look at you and they're like, huh, I think I hate you. <laughs> like deeply. And you wonder even from time to time if you can ever love that person again. 
I mean, this is church. If we can't be honest here, where can we be honest, right? Marriage is hard. Marriage is like dying. Marriage goes through seasons. But there are also moments still to this day, 15 years in, where I look at my wife and I still get butterflies, There are still joyful moments. There is a deep knowing, a deep relationship, a deep love that has transcended all the junk, all the mess, all the things. I don't have all the feels like I used to, you know, gosh, I met her when I was 17. It's not the same, but there's a deeper level to this. And friends, so many of us, we we stay in this acquaintance relationship with God Maybe we transition because we hear the gospel and we have a honeymoon season and we realize God loves us and forgives us and I love the way it feels when I show up and I worship and I realize God loves me in a fresh way and it's all about the feels, but if I'm not feeling really close to God, then, you know, gosh, is he still there? Is this real? Do I, what's the point if this doesn't make me feel any better? And at some point, we have to move past acquaintance past infatuation to deep relationship with God. And the only avenue to do that is through the Holy Spirit, God with us. It's through the person of God and the Holy Spirit who is with us forever, who lives inside of us. And many of us, we live about an inch deep in our faith in this acquaintance or even infatuation stage, and we never move to encounter and fellowship and walking with God, the Holy Spirit, either because we don't know what that means. We're not really, I mean, it's a spiritual reality. We're distracted. We numb out. We don't really quiet our souls and slow down and choose to spend time with God or choose to even think about the fact. Next time you sit down with the Bible, just think about this. Wow, God, you are here. I'm not talking to God somewhere else far away. I'm talking to God who literally has made his home inside of me. I'm talking to a triune God, God in three persons, God the Father on the throne of heaven, Jesus Christ at his right hand, and God the Spirit with me, in me. What a gift. What a powerful, amazing, life-changing gift that most of us completely ignore, me included. As I dove into this, I was like, dang, how have I never preached on the Holy Spirit before? How have I never even really talked about this more? The Holy Spirit is God with us, and friends, it is the key. Not it, God himself is the key. The Spirit of God is the key to you living into the fullness of your calling, to you living into the fullness of freedom that God wants for you, to you finding peace in the midst of every storm, to you finding strength when all you wanna do is lay down and quit, to you finding hope in the midst of despair, the Holy Spirit, God himself, is saying, why are you trying to do and live this Christian life on your own? Yes, you're saved by grace through faith. Yes, I have covered you with my love and forgiven you from your sins, but why, at that point now, do you forget about me and try to live the rest of this on your own without me? Friends, We're not gonna make that mistake anymore. 
We're gonna learn about what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit, and today I wanna share some of my personal story with you of some encounters with the Holy Spirit that I've had. I wanna teach a little bit about what the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, and I wanna close with um, some practical applications of how we can apply this to our lives, how we can apply this to our lives. So if you're new around here, um, I wanna share something with you. This is our mission statement as a church. You know, a few years ago, we, we sat down and said, okay, how can we capture what we want to do as a church? And what we came up with was hopefully something simple and practical enough that we can all apply this to our lives. We exist as a church to help people encounter Jesus experience growth, that's grow into the image of Jesus, grow into freedom, grow as followers and disciples of Christ, to find community because you can't do that on your own, you need others to do that with, and to go live on mission, to serve others, to unleash compassion on the 50 corridor and say, God, uh, it's, church is not just about me getting fixed it's about me going from death to life by faith in Jesus so I can serve and be a blessing to the world, to move outward, right? But we, we wrestled a whole bunch over this word encounter. You know, it would make a lot of sense and you could make an argument to say, okay, actually we exist to help people know Jesus. That's true. We exist to help people believe in Jesus. Also true. We, we exist to help people have faith or find faith in Jesus. All of that is true. Why did we choose the word encounter? Because here's what I believe. You can come and hear a sermon. You can read the Bible. You can pray. You could hear a hundred sermons. Billy Graham could be up here preaching if he was still alive. Paul the apostle himself could be up here preaching if he was still alive. And if you did not have a personal encounter with the Holy Spirit, who is God with us, you're gonna walk out of this room unchanged, unaffected, and uncaring about anything of the spiritual world and the truth of God's kingdom. You will leave the same as you came in. You will leave apathetic about the things of God's kingdom. You will leave apathetic about the things that God wants to do in your life. The only thing that will wake us up and take us out of a lukewarm spiritual reality is an encounter with Jesus. Okay, pastor, great, but uh, I thought you just said Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. He is. And he's also right here in this room. For those who put your faith in him, he's living inside of you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And friends, sometimes all it takes for an encounter, a personal encounter where the knowledge you have about God suddenly shifts from your head to your soul, where someone looks at you and says, did you know Jesus loves you? And you go, yeah, the Bible tells me so. To, did you know Jesus loved you? To, oh my gosh, I can't believe his love for me. I can't believe his grace and forgiveness. Most of my life I've ignored him, turned my back on him, run from him. I'm a mess. God's love is the most precious thing on the planet. What's the difference between those two responses? 
Not to say you're always gonna live in this place of, oh my, you know, emotional feels and infatuation. I'm not saying that, but the difference between, yeah, the Bible tells me so, and yeah, I know his love. It's an encounter with him through the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. That's why Paul, the apostle, tells his own story in Acts chapter nine. And he says, I was on the way to Damascus to kill Christians because I was a Pharisee and I thought Christians were dangerous and I thought they were leading people away from God. So I had to shut this thing down. And on the way to Damascus, it says this in Acts 9 verse 3, as, as Saul, that was his name before he was converted and changed his name to Paul, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he responded, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, I'm not saying when you leave here today and you get in your car and you drive home that you should be looking for a light from heaven and an audible voice. That would be awesome. I would be jealous of you. <laughs> What I am saying is, there is an encounter available to you. There is a waterfall, a flood of encounter from heaven available to you, in you, within you, in the form of the Holy Spirit, if you will choose on a daily basis to sit quiet and still. And most of the time, you're gonna be bored. Most of the time, you're not gonna feel anything. But if you just sit there in front of God's word, Get into the Gospel of John. Start to read John 13, 14, and 15 and start to talk to Jesus. Start to talk to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I don't feel you. I don't see you. I'm distracted. All I can think about is my PG&E bill right now. All I can think about, I'm just being real, um, is whatever else is happening in my life and what I gotta do today, help me come back to your word and focus on you even for five minutes. And right here, Lord, would you encounter me today? Let me know your love in a deeper way. Help me to become more aware of what you're doing in my life. If you sit yourself under the waterfall of God's love, if you make space in your life and engage to engage the Holy Spirit who is here and living inside of you, you will begin to awaken to his presence. You will begin to become aware of his activity in your life and suddenly you will get plugged into the power source that is God living inside of you. God with us. I'll never forget the very first time I went on a mission trip. Very first time in my life, I went to Haiti. I've shared this before. My wife and I worked for many years um, for an organization in Haiti. While I was in seminary, we helped uh, develop partnerships for a children's school down there. We led trips down to Haiti. Um, I actually got a text from the mission director down there the other day with just some cool updates of what God is doing there. But... I'll never forget going because I grew up in the Episcopal Church. It's, it's like the Protestant version of Catholicism. Uh, a lot of traditions, uh, stand, sit, kneel, say the right prayer at the right time, stand, sit, kneel. Which one am I? Stand, sit, kneel, go down front. You know, it's structured. It's a little complicated. Um, and I remember coming to Christ in college at a big Christian conference for college students. But 
where things really started to change for me is when I went on this trip to Haiti because until then, I had a, had a very Western, American, reasonable picture of what Christianity was and what God could do and sort of the box that God should fit in in terms of our experience of him. And I'll never forget going down there for the very first time and seeing things that I was like, whoa, I feel like I'm reading the book of Acts right now and I'm just seeing it in real life. I remember the first night that I was in Haiti going to sleep to the sound of drums on the countryside and Gary, the mission director who's Haitian, I said, Gary, what, what is that? He goes, oh, that's all the voodoo priests casting spells. Hello. Um, <laughs> we are not in Kansas anymore. And I, I just remember thinking, wow. I said, really? He's like, oh, yeah. People are going to them, paying them to uh, cast spells, to curse people, to ask for the gods of the earth to grow their crops, to ask for the ancestors to come and bless their next endeavor, whatever it is. Uh, voodoo is very big business here in Haiti. Very big business. He goes, in fact, uh, we've all been praying as a church for this voodoo priest down the road who is continually cursing our church. He leaves like dead chickens on the front porch all the time. Who knows what those were about? And he goes, yeah, we're praying for him. I'm pretty sure one day soon he's gonna come and bring all of his magic books and burn them here in the church and he's gonna give his life to Jesus and it's gonna be awesome. I was like, okay, Gary, this is intense. Like, what is going on here, right? I remember being in these church services and hearing people pray out loud in the spirit in different tongues. At first I was like, is that Haitian Creole or is that like you know, the language of heaven. I have no idea. I've never been around this. I saw them bring the sick into the church and pray for them. And sometimes people got healed. And I was like, whoa, what is, this is awesome. This is like Bible church, church stuff. And I was like, I, I love this. And then the next time I came down to Haiti, it was about a month later with a different team of people. There was this guy standing right on the front, worshiping with his hands up high. And I was like, Gary, who's that guy? He's like, oh, that's the voodoo priest I was telling you about. I was like, what, really? He goes, yeah, like two weeks after you left, he brought all of his weird stuff and he burned it in the middle of the church. He got on his knees, he repented, he gave his life to Jesus. And I was like, how did he get saved? He goes, he showed up at our church one day crying. He goes, I met Jesus last night in a dream and he told me to get rid of all this stuff, so I did and I'm here and I'm done with it. And I was like, hey, what? like, whoa, whoa, time out, like what? Jesus in a dream, he's like, yeah, have you ever read like the book of Acts? It happens. I'm like, I have, but I didn't know it like still happens. And he's like, brother, God's in a box in your brain. And he wants out of that box because the Holy Spirit is here. And he's doing amazing things and you just gotta open your eyes and believe. You gotta have faith. He's so much bigger and greater and able than you could possibly imagine so much greater than you can imagine. And so I came back and I was like, oh, Lord, I wanna try some of this stuff, but I am terrified and I'm pretty sure it's gonna look weird. Um, it doesn't have to look weird. Lord, maybe today just open my eyes. Holy Spirit, I began to pray to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, I know you're with me. I know you're here. I'm sorry for ignoring you for so long. And Maybe today, Lord, would you give me an undeniable opportunity to encourage someone, to pray for someone, 
to see what you may have me do in someone's life today. And as I began to pray that prayer, crazy things started to happen. Random people would come up to me and like, um, Zaxby's, this was like a big deal back in the Southeast. California is missing two things in life, Waffle House and Zaxby's. Are there Zaxby's in California? Yes or no? I didn't think so. I'll pray. Um, and like I was in a Zaxby's and, and you know, the person in front of me in line, they just looked down. And, and I was just like, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? Just seems like you're maybe not having a great day. And this person just broke down, started crying in Zaxby's. <laughs> and we prayed. And they didn't give their life to Jesus. It wasn't like a moment where they got saved or an audible voice or a light from heaven shone around me, but God showed up. I have no idea what happened with that person after that, but I was like, okay, Lord, maybe this is working. Let's start to do this more and more. There were a couple times where I felt God was leading me to give a specific amount of money to somebody. Something that my wife, and do, my wife and I do every single year is we pray, we save up some money throughout the year and we pray and at the end of the year, we say, Lord, is there someone that you want us to bless or to, to release these finances to? And it's, it's not some astronomical amount, it's just something simple that we do throughout the year. We do it with our kids to try and help increase their faith. And friends, I can't tell you the number of times that the exact number of dollars that we gave to somebody happened to meet the exact need that that person had. Like down to the penny. And I am talking like my kids sometimes would throw in like 75 cents or whatever they've got at the moment, right? At the end of whatever we've chosen to give away. And they're like, oh my gosh. Down to the dollar, this covers a bill, a medical bill that I didn't know was coming and it, it landed in December and we didn't know if we were gonna do Christmas this year or not because of this and wow, that covered it. And I'm like, yeah, God sees you, he knows you. I, I had no idea. I just prayed and he said, you're the one. Friends, if we would just make ourselves available, who knows what God would do? I'll never forget coming back and there was a season in my life I've, I'm grateful for my journey of faith because, and man, I gotta land this plane. Y'all need to come back next week. We're gonna talk more about this. Um, oh man, it's 11.45. Okay, uh, I'm gonna get on to application. There's so much I gotta get to. Seriously, come back next week. All right, the Holy Spirit. That was my intro. <laughs> Here's... <laughs> Here's what we got, okay? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. I just need to give you all some definition here from a systematic theology so we know what we're talking about. Equal in nature, power, and glory with the Father and the Son and is to be worshiped together with them as God, okay? This is huge. So we worship one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity says this. This is the reality of the Trinity. God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is one God. If you don't understand that, take a deep breath, it's okay, okay? Um, there is so much here, okay? And, there, you know, theologians and pastors have tried to give examples of this, like three in one, like, you know, an egg, it has a shell, a yolk, and the egg white. It's three different distinct parts, but one egg, 
or a tree, it has the root system, the trunk, and the leaves. One tree has three distinct parts, or like water, right? Water can be either in vapor, like steam, it can be liquid, or it can be frozen. It's all water, it's just three different states. All of those analogies fall massively short of what the Trinity is. There is no human analogy that can adequately capture this reality, but the Bible teaches from beginning to end that there is one God and three distinct persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? St. Augustine, he summed it up well. He goes, if you don't understand this, don't worry about it. We are speaking of God. We're not speaking of like Aunt Jenny and Uncle Dave. Is it any wonder then that we do not fully comprehend him? No, that's okay. It's God. He's God, we're not God. He is infinite creator, the one who spoke the earth into being. We are finite creatures, part of his creation, okay? That's an important thing to understand. But I wanna say this, John 16, verse seven. Jesus says something stunning. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. His disciples are troubled, they're worried. Jesus, what do you mean you're going away? Don't leave. He goes, look, it's better for you that I'm not here. Jesus, how can that be possible? We've seen you do amazing things. It can't be better that you're leaving. And he goes, look, if I don't go away, the helper, and there's a whole bunch of different words for this, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He'll be in you, he'll be with you. In John 14, he goes on, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Jesus, you did some pretty amazing things. That's a big statement. Uh, And greater works than these will he or she do. What? Because I'm going to the Father, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's not saying, Lord, um, I need a sweet new Lamborghini and a new house And God is just like the heavenly genie who's here to grant your wishes. What he is saying is, asking for it in my name, according to my will, I will accomplish greater things than you could imagine in your life and through your life. He goes on, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father, God the Father, he will give you another helper, okay, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You will know him for he dwells with you and will be in you, with you and in you. It goes on. I will not leave you as orphans. Time out. Jesus, I'm confused. You just said you were leaving. You said you were going. You were leaving. And he goes, no, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What? What do you mean? You're just telling us about the spirit of truth. He's like, yeah, that's me. Father, son, and spirit. We're three distinct persons, three distinct realities of one God. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will live. In that day, you will know, here it is, that I am in my Father, we are one. You are in me and I am in you in the form of the Spirit of God. Friends, that is the Trinity at work. It's the reality of the Trinity. That's why when we baptize people, we baptize them in the name, one name, not names, 
in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just like he said to do in Matthew 28. One name, three persons. One God, three distinct persons. I can't even talk about that this week. (laughs) Come back next week. We're so far over. That alone should bring you back next week, okay? (laughs) Greater works, ask for anything. To our advantage, apart from me, you've got nothing. With me, greater works, ask for anything. I'll close with this because I've got it up here, might as well. All right. The worst thing in California, probably the worst thing, one of the worst things, are these things right here. I don't know if you have redwoods uh, in your yard or around your house. Um, These little branches, especially if you have grass or turf or anything, these have an unbelievable ability to latch onto the grass or the turf, and it doesn't matter if you have a crowbar, they ain't moving. They fall like 10 times a year. They cover the yard. We have this patch of turf in our, in our backyard. And when these things fall in there from these trees, like from the last storms we've had, I mean, it is horrible to try and get them out. And I remember when I, I got this blower and I was pretty proud on the side of it, it was like jet fan technology up to 100 and blah, blah, blah miles an hour, right? And I was like, yeah. And I know some of you who have like the, the back gas mower blowers, y'all are like judging me right now for my little battery. Don't do that. This is church. Look, um, but when I first started using it, I, I saw there was a button on top, but I didn't really know what this button was for because when I pulled the trigger... I was like, okay, the blower's working. And I just, I don't know, I I probably should have pushed this button sooner. I didn't. But when I went out back and I used the blower, I might as well have been blowing like this. They weren't moving at all. And I was like, what a waste of money. I should have got the backpack thing. Like, this is horrible, right? I looked a little closer and right at the bottom, do you know what that says? Turbo. (laughs) Turbo. I didn't see it, okay? And I was like, wait, now listen to the difference, okay? So there, two. And I went back there and I hit the turbo button and I was like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. You know, still not a gas powered blower, but still, the turbo button made a difference. And friends, here's here's what it's like for us to live the Christian life. And I wanna leave you with this. If we live the Christian life and we don't pay attention to the fact that God is inside of us and he's with us, it is like using a leaf blower without hitting the turbo button. It's like trying to get these little needles out of the, 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 the turf and the sole of your heart and they're not gonna move because you're kind of doing it in your own strength. And the Holy Spirit is like, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm for you. Just talk to me, lean on me, believe in me, trust me as God inside of you and with you. Hit that turbo button and let's go because I'm gonna root these things out of your life and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I'm gonna set you free. And then watch this, okay? Let's transform. Let's pretend like these are not, you know, besetting sins or strongholds in our life. Let's pretend like now these are good works that we're supposed to do for the Father. When the turbo button gets breathed, when the wind of God breathes upon the things that we're supposed to do as Christians, it multiplies the effort. It spreads it out everywhere. 
It goes wild, right? And now suddenly, you know, we have these stories of Jesus feeding 5,000 people. Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And then thousands of years later, a person comes along through Compassion International or World Vision, and they say, hey, why don't we just feed 5 million people? Maybe they didn't multiply bread, but maybe they had an idea, a dream to change the world. Maybe somebody here at Hills Church 17 years ago said, hey, why don't we become the food bank for El Dorado County, and why don't we give away tens of thousands of pounds of food a year to people in need? Greater works than these will you do. Ask anything in my name, and I'll do it through you. So the Spirit of God is like the turbo button to cleanse our souls to help us find freedom and to multiply our efforts in the world. Friends, this week, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he wants to do in you and through you. That's the simple application. We are way over our time. We're gonna take communion together. Please come next week as we continue to look at this. And here's what I wanna say. If, uh, if you're in the room, you're on the prayer team, if you're on our leadership team or staff, um, I, I just wanna encourage you, um, we're gonna have some people at the prayer walls in the back who would love to pray for you. If you want prayer for anything in your life, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, head to those prayer walls and get some prayer. God is with you, he's for you. We're gonna take communion together now and we're gonna remember that Christ loves us, that he died for us on the cross, that he rose from the dead, ascended to the Father and asked for the God to send the Spirit to come to us in himself through the Holy Spirit to be with us and live inside of us forever. And friends, today is the beginning of a new day for you. In Jesus' name. So Lord, before we take communion, I just pray for each person in this room. Everybody watching online within the sound of my voice, if they've never put their faith in you, if they've never taken that step of faith, I pray now in their heart they would believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and died for their sins. For those of us that have been walking with you for a long time, God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would remind us that you're with us and inside of us. And right now, Jesus, we thank you for the cross as we take communion, as we remember your body that was broken for us and your blood that was spilled for us. Lord, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's take communion together and then we'll close our time after that. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.